Hello, welcome to episode 180 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, a podcast about music. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm here with my co-host, compadre and life partner <laughs> via Zoom calls, Mr. Renfrey Dedman. How are you doing, Renfrey? You all right? Nice to see you. I'm doing very well, thanks, Steve. That was a very accurate representation of our relationship that you just I think it was. put across there. Yeah, thank you. We actually saw each other in the flesh. We did. Not naked. No. Not, nothing sexual about it. No, no. But no. we did see each other in the flesh the other day, didn't we? Uh, yes, on Tuesday evening. We were recording this on Thursday, so a couple of nights ago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, more of which to be discussed later in the show. It was nice. Your hair was... I don't know if it's the Zoom, but your hair was drier. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, not that people <laughs> need to know this, but I came out of the shower half an hour ago and I washed my hair, so uh, it's a little bit wet still. But hey. Happy I'll days. Power on through. Power on through with it. your wet head, your big wet head. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say this, but I don't know if this is needed for the show or not, but um, Matt Reynolds of Haggard Cat was listening to the Load special uh, mm-hmm. available on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and Hello, loved the fact that you went uh, on about hair as condescendingly <laughs> as you did. So I thought I'd just let you know that. That's probably more for off mic, but fuck it, we're on mic. And I, I thought no, well, I mean, one of the many reasons why you should go over to our Patreon page Absolutely, is to get an yeah. actual Wikipedia description of hair. <laughs> as read by you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Before we do, I'll tell you what we're doing on the show today. We're going to be talking about a couple of gigs that we went to, because that's happening again. We're going to be talking about some of the records that we've been listening to. And we're going to be looking at a couple of albums in a sort of trade-off style like we used to do yeah, trade-off yeah. back in the day. Although, actually, both of us have heard the records that we're going to be talking about yeah. that we picked each. But we thought we would do something about bands that released one album one actual oh look renfrey's got them both on cd i got both on cd both I'm of them on super CD. cool <laughs> nice uh we were going to talk about bands who have only released one album one and out one and done um and we asked for some of your shouts so we'll be talking about some of them later on but we'll be focusing on two specific albums that renfrey and i have picked and we'll probably do this now and again so if you're like i can't believe you didn't pick that yeah, don't worry about we'll it. Do, we'll do it another time. A lot of your shout outs made me realise that this is a little feature that could run and run and run for many years. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's no Fucking problem. Fucking loads. Yeah. Fucking loads. Anyway, as Renfrey quite rightly pointed out, you should go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and sign up for a lot of our exclusive content. We're going to put a Rioters review up. If you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, I think instructions by heck will be going up on Saturday, That's which right. we've had in the in the can for a little while. We were sort of waiting on an interview with a member of the band, but I'm not sure if that happened or not. We were hoping it would happen, um, but I, I think I think at this stage we've we've actually had it on the back burner for quite a while, and um, it actually does see a few of you suggested instructions for this feature that we're doing today which is a great shout and you know one day probably but actually it's almost like a little bonus to this particular show because instructions is a record that you and i both love so you can hear us talking about it on there yes so there you go you can listen to that coming on saturday if you're listening that's tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast today it comes out we've got loads and loads of rioters reviews that's where you can sign up for any amount of money and suggest an album and renfrey and i will eventually get round to talking about it there is quite a lot of them up there at the moment i go through the list every week but 
just briefly, Alison Chains, Manson, Quixen, Dream Theater. Quixen! Quixen! Like something. You'd expute it, wouldn't you? Quixen. Massive Attack, Death Above 1979, Velvet Revolver. That actually went up for free this week. In fact, I'll chat about Velvet Revolver. Killing Joke, Probot, Bjork, Them Crooked Vultures, Type of Negative, Manic Street Preachers, Oasis, Blur, Cat of Decapitation, Neutral Book Hotel, The Natural Born Killers soundtrack, White Stripes. There's loads and loads of bands and artists that are represented over there so go and have a little look at that and if you would like to up your your pledge to just five dollars a month it's not even five pounds is it it's five dollars a month probably is, probably yes, should be pounds that that is something that we should look into to be honest but uh we, we'll obviously probably. consult our patrons before we do anything at the like. moment it's five pounds it's five dollars <laughs> so yeah. it, you know I, yeah but anyway it, it should have always been pounds we're just rubbish um so just mm. consider all of the lovely exclusive content that you've been getting for a little bit less money a bit of a bonus because that might change soon uh but yeah we'll consult you before we do anything okay uh so anyway but for five something um depending yeah. on where you are on the planet <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you get two classic albums a month we have just as i mean we've had a little bit of i'm gonna sort of fess up we were gonna put the every time i die big dirty classic album up early in the week it's a little bit of weird fuzz on your end isn't there renfrey i'm not talking about your beard by the way I'm talking about <laughs> the actual audio based fuzz yeah i'm really hoping we will still get it up to you by the end of this week we were really planning to do it by the beginning of the week but yes there's a little bit of uh, electrical interference on my end and we're just trying to like sort that out a little bit i'm sure we can do something with it and i'd rather we waited and released a more quality product to sound like yes a twatty businessman yeah but that'll be going up and then you'll get new junk aesthetic coming very very Week quickly after, in yeah. the aftermath of that and then uh we're going into muse okay uh yeah <laughs> so that's happening <laughs> we were chatting about muse the other day me and renfrew and we we're coming out of turnstile and I think it's going to be quite a laugh. I think it will be. One. I think there will be many thing. differing opinions on that record, but I'm going to mm. fight it pretty hard. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's loads of classic albums of the likes of Sepultura, The Pixies, Depeche Mode, Nick Cave, Ale- o- Opeth, Gallows. I almost said uh, Allos then, which is Opeth, the Opeth and Gallows <laughs> coming together that Ooh. everybody has never thought of before. No, yeah. That would be Al- interesting. Al- or Allos. Uh, Blur, again. Cave In, Neil Young, REM. Neil Young's been in the news and we've got a classic album on him. Joy Division, Soundgarden, Ben Falls 5, Gajira, The Specials, Smashing Pumpkins, PJ Harvey, Meshuggah, Pearl Jam, Metallica. Quite a lot. And if you've been keeping an eye on, we've been very fucking busy recently because it's been quite a busy old week mm. for releases. We've put out four Riot Act reviews which are just kind of quick little pocket-sized podcasts where we talk about new albums that have come out from Venom Prison, Corn, Black Country New Road, and Rolo Tomasi. So that would usually, back in the day, that would have been the, the show. Yeah. The show, right? Yeah. So they've got their own individual little ones there. So if there's any of those that, you know, if you would have maybe fast-forwarded Renfrey talking about Rolo Tomasi... Uh, you don't have to, you know, you can just not listen to it. But if you do want to hear what he thinks about Rolo Tomasi, you can listen to it. So you see how this is better? 
We've got an interview with James and Chris on that one as well. So it's a yeah. spe- it's a Rolo special almost. It's uh, an hour mm. long in total. So yeah, for uh, like I mean, already this is the first week of the year. I think it's fair to say where the release schedule has suddenly plumped up. Next week is a similarly busy week uh and mm. i would i'd would say similarly quality week as well because not to spoil it too much but all four of those releases definitely deserved us wanging on them for a good 20 minutes or so didn't they so yeah yeah i think so it's also been there's also a couple of other good things that are out this week as well if, again if you're listening to this on friday when it first drops today sees the release of symbiosis by nordic giants which I think is an album worth talking about. Renfrey, this is something that you brought to my attention. You wang this over to me. I and I thought it was quite good. Good. Don't know much about them as a band. Um, let me draw you in. So I have been uh, talking up Nordic Giants for a very long time. For most of my professional career, I would say it was around 10 years um, doing this. Uh, it's their second full-length album. They released a sort of soundtrack thing as well, but I'm not counting that. Uh, they're a kind of elegiac multi-instrumental post-rock duo Hmm, that's a bit of me um i pulled this summation from the press release because it does sum up the music pretty succinctly the album encompasses a broad tapestry of weird and wonderful sounds from vintage analog synths tibetan bowls and even a carinix horn i'm sure mispronounced that to some familiar guest vocalists in the form of alex headley and freya adding their haunting and ethereal sounds on top of what is predominantly a multi-layered instrumental album pretty much sums it up doesn't it i would say mm. mm-hmm. a lot of the instruments are there's a broadly... few vocals on it as well there's a little there's, bit of vocal yeah, it, it, yeah it is just the two songs though and it is just those two vocalists yeah. um it's eight tracks in total uh i'd say the main instrumentation is piano piano is very prominent there's a lot of brass as well drums um not much guitar and stuff which i think marks nordic giants out as a little bit different from a lot of those bands um and actually often when they do play guitar it's often bowed in the sigaros styly so it doesn't even sound Mm. like a guitar anyway um and the music itself is only one part of the nordic giants puzzle if you go to see them live they have these projections they're basically short films well they are short films and the quality and the production of them has always absolutely stunned me for a relatively small band they are due to play the garage in london which i think is 600 cap to give you a a rough idea of the size of this band but the production is amazing we don't have that to look at so um i'm curious to know the first thing i'm curious to know is do you think the music stands up without those visuals i'm assuming yes because you like this album and you've not seen the visuals so yeah i mean i i i I, I was unaware until you said this to me when we were chatting about this record because I actually yeah, you just sent it over saying nothing <clears throat> and I listened to it and um it's really lovely it's a really again yeah. you know it, it's this is this is um kind of I think uh it just underlines your point that you've made a lot of times over the years since we've been doing right act that not all post rock or you know kind of exper- quote unquote experimental ambient instrumental music is hard work i don't find this record to be hard work at all. at all i actually find it to be just a very very enjoyable what is it what are we looking at like sort of 45 odd minutes seven minutes and 18 seconds yeah yeah so three quarters of an hour of just you know Lovely the production music. yeah the production is great it, it, again it feels it feels like it you said something the other day when we were talking about black country new road about the fact that it would have had to have been recorded live because it just mm. sounds so like it was recorded live and i like this because 
even though they were they kind of felt like live synths i think you can tell the difference between synth that is sort of tacked on or or is added on later or is a bit kind of synthetic and kind of real synth which is sort of played there in the studio do you know what i mean and i do think, I think like so. i mean the piano the piano sounds really really great on this record mm. and the piano is a lovely lovely instrument it's very bright nordic giants's piano and i really yeah. like that sound it's yeah. really lovely yeah i don't really have loads to say on it to be honest after three listen i've listened to the album three times and the first time i was like oh this sounds nice and then the second time i found myself being like yeah i like this a lot and i'm and then by the third time i started to sort of remember the songs and stuff and i'm you know and I, I yeah i feel like this would be something that i will definitely go back to yeah it's yeah. not it's not it's not difficult in any way at all it's just nice to listen to i can imagine i mean obviously there's a long line of instrumental bands who uh managed to get a lot of their music on adverts or part of the score of a you know uh scandy crime drama nine times out of ten is what it is mm. um and i see absolutely no reason why that couldn't happen with nordic giants it might even have already happened but something like that like it is perfect for scoring something really emotional um but it works mm. it works really really well um i was just gonna mark out hem as one of the highlights for me just because it's such a beautiful song that is mainly on piano has these gentle backing synths which do sound live like you say and it's very start but quite beautiful and evokes like cold and chill like really really well i think and convergence i think the way that that builds so gently and with incredible patience is just mesmerizing and it has a wicked fake ending as well and i really like fake endings um mm. i personally i really adored their debut album which is called a seance of dark delusions i think it was number five in my albums of the year that year and i don't think i'm i've fallen for this quite as hard in uh, uh, overall but i do think it's great um and i think nordic giants are really like if you want proof that not all post-rock bands sound the same nordic giants isn't a bad one to chuck in the pot um yeah uh it's a, it's a great follow-up i think it's great i'm really pleased you like it i'm really curious to know if you would prefer saints for dark delusions because I, I personally prefer it but yeah this is a great record if you haven't checked them out definitely do and they are doing an extensive tour with arabrot supporting which is a great that's such a great build two quite mm. different bands but that's really quite different yeah yeah but i i really want to see that tour like i said they're coming to the garage but they are doing a fair few dates around the uk so you should be able to catch them it should be coming local ish to you hopefully mm. um so yeah they're doing like 12 dates or something so, yeah. oh, all right oh i might i might i might look into that you yeah, really should they're, they're fucking amazing live like they can be mm. really fucking good live okay cool all right well there you go that's symbiosis by nordic giants is out today something else is out today as well is temple corrupted by el muno so this is an ep right of a band who i believe are from brighton that's right is that correct yep. and um i've seen their name about a fair bit i've seen them mentioned and i think they've played with a lot of people who we like i think they play with it says here um they've played with black peaks Foxjaw, Prestamico, which we are all bands we're mm -hmm. pretty positive about. Um, I reviewed a show that they did at the Black Heart on episode 34. 
as well, which might wow. be what's triggering your... Although that was a long time ago, so I'm not surprised or offended that you seem to have completely yeah. forgotten that. Uh, but it was only like three minutes. Um, and yes, I, I've um, been following El Muno uh, around pr- pretty much since their debut release, Tides, um, which is an EP they released in 2018, which I thought was very, very promising. Mm-hmm. Um and they sent me this quite a while ago, actually. I've had this for quite a, quite a long time. Um, but I, I think this is a brilliant, brilliant follow-up. And you happened to get it for Metal Hammer, didn't you? And you actually came yeah. to me separately. I mean, I was going to suggest we do it anyway, but you came to me and said, oh, I've reviewed this great EP for Metal Hammer's El Muno. I'm like, I already know about it. Let's do it. Mm. So, yeah. How would you describe yes. it? How would you describe El Muno, Steve? Uh, they are... In oh god! Well, first of all, the singer sounds like Mike Patton. Oh, big words! I mean, he sounds like Mike Patton. That's clear to me. I don't okay. think that's particularly. I'm not saying he's as good as Mike Patton. Nobody mm-hmm. is. But no, no one is. He's he's very good. I mean, to sound a bit like Mike Patton, you got to be good, right? Absolutely. And he's got that Patton esque thing about him i think which i which i obviously really really like i haven't picked up on that but now that you're saying it i can see where you're coming from yes mm. i straight away was like mike Patton. this mm. is but it's Patton in i guess more of the um uh it's less of the croony mike Patton, i would say and more mm-hmm. of the kind of wilder Patton. Mm-hmm. and then you've got some sort of mixture between the kind of cult of lunary neurosisy style post massive huge hulking post metal the world is coming down like tar thick black harsh expansive stuff and like hardcorey grooves very kind of instantaneous hardcorey grooves so neurosis meets every time i die with mike Patton on vocals holy shit um i mean that's a, that's a bonkers descriptor i do see where you're coming from with it um i kind of just wrote big riffs heavy drums rumbly bass kind of grungy uh which is far less okay. exciting sounding than the way that you've put it um mm. but i think both of them are true i don't think uh, uh either is inaccurate um i mean the first song proper final execution is an absolute belter and i think listening to that alone will give you an idea of whether you're into the band or not and i like the fact that there's that really heavy sludgy riffing but they don't resort to screamy vocals in this particular song um and it's quite nice to hear that because a lot of the time you don't hear that restraint from a lot of bands not i mean they are they do do screamy vocals and they do them very very well as they prove on the next track requiem um but yeah the best song on the album for my money is white gold the very last song um yeah it's fucking brilliant it just sounds colossal um it's interesting Mm. you mentioned black peaks i mean you know, I, I see quite a bit of Black Peaks in El Muno, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, me too. And I think mm. were you to describe Black Peaks as neurosis and every time I die fronted by Mike Patton, that wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing. I yeah. think Will's m- m- not exactly the same as Mike. I think this this is more Patton-esque in parts. And I think obviously Black Peaks are maybe more Mastodon meets every time I die with... Mm chino moreno on vocals mm. rather than mm. what but but i you know ultimately um yes i think the the sort of the fact that they remind me of three 
quite different things all in the space of one seven track ep it's 24 minutes this but it's and very 24 diverse minutes mm. really diverse yeah mm. um definitely I think an this improvement is... on tides as well just before you give your summary okay yeah well i was gonna say every year we get a new ish a new newish band coming along who end up kind of stealing <laughs> like ep of the year mm. and at the moment for me it's going to take something pretty fucking brilliant to nick that ep i, I feel like ep of the year is almost like done and almost dusted sewn up. wow i'm not going to go that far because you know it was very early in the year but it is fantastic and it is going to take a hell of a beating absolutely mm. it feels like Yes, it is short, but because there's so much going on and they've they've put it together so well and sequenced it so well, it sort of does feel like you have heard an album by the end of it. Um, but but you know it's still very short and sharp. I mean, twenty four minutes is longer than some albums. Um, it feels it feels a lot longer than that to me. And normally you'd think, well, that's an insult, but actually because so much shit goes on, exactly. Yeah, you're just like, well, they must have that must be like half because I was like, I listen to it and it's over, and you go. Oh my god, it's over! But I feel yeah. like I've, they, I feel like I've heard so much. So yeah. You go, that's surely an album, but a really short album. And you're like, wow, actually, it's very short. Yeah, it feels more epic than an EP, even though lengthwise, you know, yeah, twenty four minutes. I, I, it is really, really good. It, and and I was really, I was so ecstatic when I heard it because it's such. Uh, tides is really good and I, I would recommend people go back to tides definitely because there's some good stuff on there but this this is a noticeable step up i think uh and shows a really really promising band i mean it's a second ever release you know and they're mm. doing shit like white gold that's really that's really good yeah it's uh it's well good that i would say um the last thing i was going to talk about actually came out last week don't forget to look up by maverick saber maverick saber not maverick saber maverick saber so maverick saber's got four albums those of you who pay little bits of attention to uk hip-hop probably know him his association with chase and status and plan b we spoke about plan b a couple of years ago when we did a trade-off and um we chatted about plan b me and renfrey this he said that this is his most soulful album so far and i would i would agree i think this bears very little relation in the main to to hip-hop really and it is essentially some sort of neo soul record in a lot of ways i've always been sort of fairly interested in maverick saber without being like a massive super fan but i wanted to give this a listen because you know, it was something that was coming out last week that I thought was could be interesting. And listen, if you're one of these people who don't want us covering, who like us covering sort of guitar music and stuff, this is not for you. <laughs> this is absolutely not for you. Like, you, you won't like this. Because it's very often, even for me, a little bit too sickly sweet, I think. Yes, I'm. I'm glad you said that. Um, I don't have the other three albums to compare it to, but certainly this is a very soulful album. I found myself really, really enjoying it when it was that more soulful, beautiful gospel choir inspired backing vocals as well. Yeah, yeah. I really love all that stuff. The songs I don't get on with as much are the more 
um, fairly standard modern R&B tracks. Goes a bit Sam Smith at points. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I don't, I, I don't want that really. Mm. I mean, there's a few like Walk These Days. I think is brilliant. Like it's got a, that's actually got a bit more pace and it, it, it's soulful, but it feels like it's got some energy with it as well. I think you're right. Every time he dips back into the sort of the classic sound of, you know, that neo soul thing, it's really good. But yeah. when it gets a little bit too contemporary pop, yeah, or, or, or ballady. Mm. I, I I I don't really enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um I liked half this album, you know. Me too. I, I thought half, half of it was yeah. great. Um but it did keep flip flopping between the two, which I found a little bit irritating. I could easily pick five, six tracks out of this and put them in a playlist and really enjoy them. But um yeah, I, I can totally understand if you liked one sound, someone, you know, you might like the other as well. I think that Venn diagram is probably quite big. Um, I just don't happen to fall into it and neither do you by the sounds of it. So, yeah. but mm. um, It's weird, actually, because when I first listened to it, my on my first listen, I was like, oh, the first few songs, I actually tweeted, oh, I really like this after the first sort of half of the record. And then by towards the end, I was like, because I thought I was only putting a couple of, you know, too slow bits in there and i was like no this is good this is good and then by the end i actually found myself going was this actually good and then listening to it again and going it's all right it's actually not really good it's actually just sort of all right it's you just, prematurely it's a, it, reviewed it on twitter is what you're trying to well think. i just said it was good while well, i was listening to it and walking down the street and i was like i'm really enjoying this and i get i got to like i say walk these days into middle of eden i thought was amazing i was like this is really great and I think I judged the entire album based on my experience up until that point. And I think there's even there's a couple that passed me by even from the first half of it. But yeah, by the second half, I was like, actually, um, you're losing me a bit here because it never gets back to I would say like Walk These Days is the best song on the record for me. And it never kind of gets back to that point post it, mm. I don't think. Mm. Yeah. which is a shame yeah. so yes i prematurely reviewed it on twitter and i suppose what with my job being on twitter i shouldn't have done that <laughs> that's what people think twitter? isn't it well, no yeah, no people but, people, but people people think that don't they? you say something like oh, i don't like that band because the guy's got a wonky eye oh you're a music journalist you should be saying something like that. it's like yeah i'm a musician i get paid to fucking talk about that shit so i'll say what i fucking like on twitter unless you want me to fucking invoice you for a proper review of it you cunt <sighs> <laughs> oh good anyway let's talk about something uh a little bit more exciting renfrey we've been to two gigs this, well mm. you've been to two gigs this week yeah. i've been to one we spoke about zetra last week and um and their ep and then you went to go and see them play live i saw quite a few people on the, again to tinternet saying how exciting that show was yeah did you have a good time yeah i really did uh and i definitely i felt like i wanted to come back to you in particular because when i uh, brought the EP to you thinking, oh, this will be a bit of you. Uh, I was I was a tiny bit disappointed in your reaction because I, I got it, I didn't get it wrong, but you know, you weren't as enthusiastic about it as I thought you might be. But watching them live, um, I thought, well, I think I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put it forward again. I think this is definitely a bit of you, especially live. Uh, they walked on looking like extras from the Lost Boys. Bit of you topless with a saxophone no no just uh a little bit gothed up and like 
quiffed up i guess i don't know they just they just it, I, instantly i was just like look like keith sutherland from uh, the lost boys um which is a very average film you're reading worms michael <laughs> <laughs> they had the most elaborate stage set i have ever seen at the black heart and that's not saying a lot because i don't ever see anyone do any kind of stage setting at the black heart but they had six flat screen tvs which were like flashing up this like satanic chic imagery i think i described it as wow. in the metal hammer review fucking hell six tellies in the ripping off muse aren't they <laughs> <laughs> ripping off muse by not quite mastering the art of songwriting just yet <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh you cheeky bugger no they're much better songwriters than muse to be <laughs> they also had these like cheap looking but i think cheap looking on purpose uh rock formations and these plasticky looking chains all over their uh microphone stands and stuff like that it looked like nice. a, it looked like a the set to a cheap bbc sci-fi drama from the 80s but set in hell you know sounds like the master of the universe it, film oh you know what it wasn't a billion miles away from that actually um and yeah in terms of evoking that whole 80s period and style and all that they do it brilliantly and you kind of half fall for them with that alone and i think you're right you made that point there that the songwriting is not quite at the point where like they have these really big hooks and i do agree with you on that i did i didn't find myself coming away from the gig like singing the songs or anything like that but when they're being played to you they really evoke that decade like very 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 well you know um and i really enjoy them when they're being played to me and they're you know very early in their first release ever yeah, was that's... may 2020 yeah i mean look you know when i said that i wasn't being a cunt about it at all i, you I, been I, a bit I think i wasn't being a cunt <laughs> i was just saying that you will they will definitely get better at writing songs i think they will yeah because will. you know you're like you're like you say that's it was a cover as well that came out in may 2020 wasn't it it's a cover uh, of uh, Cry Little Sister from The Lost Boys. I think they released an EP very shortly afterwards as well. But, you know, I mean, yeah, they yeah. Have no, they've they been around for less than two years as we speak. You know, Still makes it their first thing. <laughs> Still um, makes it their first thing. I don't know why you would... <laughs> just like, well, actually, I mean, it's not actually strictly their first thing because they did release something quite soon afterwards. <laughs> it's still their first thing they released then. The last thing I will say is... I think um, there's quite a few bands at the moment who are kind of sorting out their brand very, very early on and having a very strong image and all that sort of thing. And we've talked about some in a positive light and some in a not so positive light. Um, I think Zetra absolutely do have their brand on point, but I think as a result of that and because they are coming in at a time where this could really take off i it did occur to me that if someone were to put them in front of tobias forge for example and he really liked them they would be a fantastic support act for ghost in the way that i'm sure twin temple will be a fantastic support act for ghost so aesthetically the vibe is very similar even if the music is quite different um, but it did occur to me watching them that I was like, if that could happen, that could actually really work. And if something like that happened, I can see Zetra 
actually becoming quite big off the back of it. But obviously that's a big if. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things. The 80s, isn't it? Just the 80s. <laughs> Talking about the 80s. <clears throat> good. Well, I'm glad it was good. Yes, it was very good. Was good. And you should definitely see them. I, I, I will, really yeah, do I, think uh, you'll enjoy it. I will. I, yeah. On that description, I would like to yeah. see them, yes. Yeah. Uh, we went also, the other day, we went to the Roundhouse, a sold-out Roundhouse in London, which in itself is weird because not really been able to go to many gigs and stuff, so it still feels a bit odd being out of gig and stuff. Very busy, goodness me. Yeah. Very busy. And we saw Turnstile, which makes it even more weird because the day, I think I said it before, the day England played Croatia in the World Cup semi-final, Turnstile were playing the 3-2-300 capacity Boston Music Room in London, and that was summer 2018. And they've not even been able to tour, really, for the last two years. So the fact that they're doing that, and tonight, as we record, they're playing the Forum in London, which is another... So it's also sold out and it's also two and a half thousand people yeah meaning they basically played to five thousand people across two nights some of which will be going to both nights i am aware of that but still that's a brixton academy sides band turnstile it's uh, if you told me that if you'd have told me that when i first sort of saw turnstile playing the the little punk stage mm. at hellfest at half 10 in the morning in 2015 mm. I would have said you're a silly Billy. It's really encouraging, isn't it? I mean, I have um, the last time I went to see Turnstile was on your birthday, uh, Friday the thirteenth of March, mm-hmm. and it was the last day. No, it was sorry, it was the last gig that I went to before the first crazy lockdown. And that was at ULU. It was sold out, but that was eight hundred cap. So in less than two years, at a time when they can't tour to get bigger, um, they have increased their ticket sales in the capital by five, or by six, really, which is unheard of. And like in terms of that growth, that was the kind of growth that we were seeing you know, during the time when heavy rock music was the biggest thing, isn't it? Mm. Like seeing mm-hmm. that kind of growth that quickly is pretty rare these days i'm trying to think of another one that has been that quick and uh i i don't think there is one to be perfectly honest i don't think there is one idols maybe idols uh, you're not gonna like it but greta van fleet maybe greta van fleet is probably quite a good shout as well yeah um, I, mean, you're right. I don't like it but um, yeah you know uh but yeah you're right but i mean even when i think back to corn like in the 90s, Korn did the LA2 on the first album and then they were at Brixton by Life is Peachy. But the LA2 was like sort of 700 people, I think. And Brixton's 5,000. So, I mean, to do that in... Yeah, they did that in about three years, I think. It's well, pretty good. This going. is less than two. Yeah. And so yeah it's fucking amazing and 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 it's so good to see i uh, we I, I, we do genuinely like idols as well but it's so good to see for a band that like we both really love i mean i'm not as hateful towards greta van fleet as you are um but they're not a band that i put up there as like oh this is the sort of band that i want to see break through uh turnstile though absolutely 100 percent. and i seem to recall not long ago 
sort of saying one day I could see them like headlining Download or something like that. And you're like, oh, I don't know about Download. I still don't know about Download. I read in, <laughs> not Download. I think, I think, okay. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but don't forget that Download once had Feeder as a headliner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're going back quite a while. I am now, going mate. back quite a way, but it's true. Um, mm. They do need to search for different headliners, and I think Turnstile could fill that brief really, really well. Feeder were headliner download when there was no um, Slam Dunk or 2000 Trees, or you know, there was no, and, and Reading was still it was still more of a yeah it was still like a rock i mean feeder probably weren't quite big enough to headline reading but then they would have been big enough they would they were just about big enough to headline the first download i mean i i didn't go but from what has i understand it they weren't exactly like no you know the best the like a sort of I think Black wasn't it Black Sabbath headline one of the other day. So I think so. Mm. I'm mm. just saying there's a precedence for it. That's all. I I understand that my argument isn't the strongest in the world. I'm just saying there's a possibility. That's all. And and yeah. and on the strength of the show also, that we no, saw, I think it's nobody, deserved as well. If if that would happen. Yeah, we're going off one here, but I would mm. say as well, no one really knew what download was on those for those first couple. Really, it was just this festival just sort of popped up mm, whereas mm. now i mean p- people still don't appear to know what it is but <laughs> they <laughs> but they have a there's a very much more clear impression i think of what people want it to be what or about, demand that it be what about headlining Turnstile, the second stage then headlining the second stage i can absolutely see that hmm. absolutely but i mean they might get too big to headline the second stage mm. i mean i genuinely think reading is like I don't think Reading, having seen what I saw the other day, mm. I don't think Reading is out of out of the question. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see. I it. mean, because uh, it, it was fucking amazing. Yeah. I tell you what, they'd have to bloody put out about four or five more albums because they did. They they did just under an hour the other day. Yeah, wasn't it about fifty minutes or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But they got through twenty you know, songs. I mean, it was bish bash bosh. It was fantastic. And they got through so much stuff, mm. and every song felt like a was kind of greeted like oh my god yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and i i said to you i turned to you at one point when um when they started playing generator yes uh and i was like do you know what i've been listening to the new album so much i'd kind of forgotten that time and space yeah was even a thing <laughs> yeah and then suddenly like you know they, they kicked the real the, the real thing was the second song they played and i was like oh my god yeah they've got all those other songs mm. as well haven't they yeah. because there's been so much hype and I thought to myself, I thought this would be interesting if they go further back, which they did a little bit. And they did a fair amount. They they did um two or three from Nonstop Feeling and a couple from yeah. the EP as well, you know. Mm. So. Yeah. So they went back a fair bit. <clears throat> and people still were like, Ah my god. Yeah. yeah. They picked the best songs from those. <laughs> I mean, for for my money, um the EP and the first album are both very good, but no you know, nowhere near as consistent as the next two records. But um yeah, they picked they picked the, the songs you want to hear from those records, I would say. Um, Absolutely imagining yeah. that a band from the hardcore scene, I think this is probably the thing as well, is like, A, you know, uh Download has never really embraced hardcore, mm. particularly on a on a on a major scale. So you know, not that it's been able to, because it hasn't really been. There's not really been a big 
I mean, it's never really been a big, big, big hardcore band. Like, when we talk about Hatebreed as the biggest hardcore band, mm. maybe ever, commercially speaking, and then you've got to go, well, there's bands like Killswitch Engage and stuff, but, you know, like Killswitch Engage are as much a metal band at this point as they yeah. are a hardcore band or whatever. But, yeah. you know, as maybe, you know, I mean, Hatebreed are a very, very metallic you know, they could be classed as a metalcore band. In terms of a band sort of primarily from the hardcore scene, and that's the thing is, Turnstile, as we've said a bunch of times, like, I watch them and they look, they still look like a hardcore band. Yes. They still act and they still behave. Like, even when they don't sound like one, they're still moving like one. Yeah. And they're still kind of playing live like a hardcore band. And I think that's, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, that's fucking awesome. But, a festival like Download has never really kind of embraced that enough, I don't think, for them to suddenly be like, oh, we're the band. But then, you know, I guess had Reading Festival embraced punk rock to the same extent as it did once Nirvana got big, I suppose it had a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it became kind of indie alternative thing. But anyway, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's, you know, you say there's a precedent for it. There's not really. There's not really a precedent for any hardcore band <clears throat> playing on Seth Myers. I mean, we spoke about Every Time I Die, and we were like, oh, wasn't it mad they played on Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, But early on, Jimmy Kimmel was not as big or as... And was, was kind of... I don't think was as big as something like Seth Myers is now. And I don't think it was... It was certainly considered to be a bit more like rough and ready. Mm. Whereas Seth Myers is like a straight us talk show and turnstile on that and then they rock up at the roundhouse with you know like we were talking to alan day from kilimanjaro mm. who puts the you know he was a promoter and stuff they've cancelled the whole european tour a lot of american bands obviously a lot of european bands aren't touring at the moment still because of the covid situation turnstile fuck it we'll get in a van with our stuff and just come over and play these bunch of shows in the uk yeah because they don't need you know like they're not reliant on production and stuff because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're a punk band yeah i i i was i really didn't think they'd come over i was so overjoyed when i heard that was actually happening um and i was really surprised as well uh i i think when i say there's a precedence for it really i mean there's a precedence for you know the headline bands not being a metal band i mean there's also the prodigy and stuff like that i guess feeder i guess i picked on feet not picked on feeder i fucking love feeder but i guess i picked feeder because you know more on the rocky end of the spectrum than the metal end of the spectrum i i don't know uh, one can dream you know i just think i just think it would be a really good move for download to do that because seeing their rise at the moment and you know assuming that continues people like you and me who moan that they never put any new blood forward and give them decent spots, you know, would have to sort of zip up a little bit. Or it would be a move towards that at the very least, you know. Mm. So mm. I want to, I yeah. would encourage it if I had any oh, I, I power or sway in that argument, which I don't, but I would. I would encourage it, but I, I still think, to me, I look at them and I'm like, you're much more suited to Reading than you are Download, I think. Oh, fair personally. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But they were astonishing 
Um, they were fucking brilliant. Yeah. I'm gutted that I can't make it this evening because they're going to the, the, do the forum as well, and and I'm sure they'll be absolutely fucking phenomenal again. Um, and yeah, I mean, literally one of my favourite bands in the world today. I think I can listen to those albums over and over and over again, multiple times in one day, and regularly do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that band. Mm. Until they get taken off Spotify. Oh, segue. Although you've probably got them on CD, haven't you? I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah good, well, good. I went to buy the vinyl after and they fucking sold out. Bastards. Wow. Anyway. Uh, news. We spoke about Spotify, Neil Young versus Joe Rogan last week. And in the weeks, we thought that was the end of that. Yes, mm. Neil Young was leaving Spotify. I have seen it. I just want to say, I have seen some absolutely monumentally stupid opinions floating around. They don't seem to understand like, I suppose, oh, Neil Young's taken an L here. He tried to call Spotify's bluff and they've called him out and now he's lost loads of money. He's lost this one. It's like, no, I, I think he's, one, he obviously doesn't need the money. Mm. And two, I think he's completely, I think he would have been completely aware that, I don't think he was actually going, get rid of Joe Rogan or I'm going to take my stuff my stuff off. I think he was just saying, look, if, while Joe Rogan's on there, I'm, I don't want to be on it anymore for, mm. you know, for whatever mm. reason. Yeah. I don't think he actually thought I think people are fucking stupid to think that, that that Neil Young thought he was going to get Joe Rogan taken off of Spotify. That's mad, right? Some, well, I have seen a load of people saying that. Some people did seem to think that it was uh, Neil Young throwing down a gauntlet, which it clearly wasn't. It was uh, no. Neil Young standing up for something that he believes in and... You just need to look throughout his entire career to see that those are the kind of moves he's been pulling for the last fifty years. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought I thought we covered this last week, but quite a lot has happened since, and there's some very interesting things that have happened to Spotify as a result. Spotify's which... gone mental. <laughs> Spotify, yeah, it kind of has in a weird way. Um, so jo- Joni Mitchell's pulled out of Twitter. She's not on Twitter anymore. Spotify. Spotify. Mean? She went on. Tw- <laughs> sorry, and then on Twitter. Sorry, yes. Joni Mitchell's pulled out of Spotify, uh, as have Crosby, Stills, and Nash. David Crosby thought said again something quite interesting. David Crosby said on Twitter, that's where I got it from, uh, regarding his decision to take the music off of Spotify. Someone said to him some good advice. Actually, listen to Joe Rogan's show before you demand his cancellation. And he quote tweeted that and replied, I have not and will not demand anything from Spotify or Joe Rogan. I just don't want my music on there if he's on there. So I'm taking mine off. That is not censorship. And he's right. That is not censorship. And the thing is, you, you you can dress it up in whatever way you wish to dress it up. You can say what a brave blah, 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 this, or you can say this is censorship and it's disgusting and yada, yada, yada. You can have your opinions on Joe Rogan. You can have your opinions on Neil Young. You can have your opinions on the right to freedom of free speech and et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, if I am an artist and I have a thing and I don't want that thing to be somewhere, I have every right to take it off. And you, as a little puny, worthless little ant that you are, just have to fucking accept it, I'm afraid, and respect it. The end. So you're cool with failure pulling off their songs off of Spotify? It's absolutely up to them, yeah. I mean, I've got the vinyl box set. I can give a fuck, really. So, I, I was hoping you'd go absolutely mental and be like, what? No, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I saw that. <laughs> I, if, if they want to do that, that's fine. Here's what I would say, right? Like, I, I think it's gone a bit mad mm. with all these people. But like, me personally, like, if you want my own personal opinion re- regarding it, like, we aren't taking this podcast off of Spotify. 
No, not at this stage. No, no. I've got no reason to to, to take that off and keep it on Apple or you know wherever. I, like I'm not I'm not going to do. I don't think that like who gives a fuck if we're like well people who listen obviously we want to listen to us on spotify and like i said last week as a, as a fan of neil young and failure i am like oh and Joni mitchell i'm like oh well i can't listen to it on that that's a bit of a bummer for me but if that's what they got to do that's what they got to do i mean if i i think you know people are allowed to have their own moral composite like if if i found out that daniel Eck from spotify went around killing cats I'd be like, fuck, he's not having my money. Fuck him. Hmm. So everyone's allowed to have that. Like, that's more important to me than, I don't fucking care about people. Do you know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. Kill cats, then I care, right? But people, I can give a fuck. Like, people dying, whatever. Like, don't care. But, um, like, people I know I do, obviously, but just, like, <laughs> random statistics. Don't care. But if you kick a cat, I like, fuck you. Like, that is my, broadly my view. And that's, you know, that's up to me, isn't it? Yeah. That's my moral compass. Any evidence that Daniel X kicked a cat or... Uh, I see, well, no, I don't have any, no. No, no I expect... Yeah. See, like, matey boy from, like, dead from Mayhem. I don't want to listen to, May- I don't want to, listen to any of his stuff from Mayhem because mm. I know he used to shoot cats and I'll fuck that guy. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, all of that is definitely related. Uh, <laughs> it's just about, actually, yeah. it's just about related. Yeah, uh, other people... It's just saying that you're... But everyone's allowed to pick their own moral yeah. company. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, exactly. tell people what they should care about. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, th- this thing is really important. Well, to you it is. Yeah. It might not yeah, be to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, other people who have left, uh, you've already mentioned uh, a few, but just to finish it off, Graham Nash has taken his solo stuff off. So it's Crosby, Stills and Nash and Graham Nash. Uh, India Ari, uh, Joni Mitchell, you mentioned. Nis Lofgren. And there's a podcaster called Brenna Brown who has asked for her podcast series, Unlocking Us, to be removed from the platform. Did you expect this wave of people because like at the moment i would say it's a it's a small wave but there are we have also heard rumors that dave grohl was considering taking off the foo fighters back catalog and stuff like that i don't know how true those rumors are or not but did you expect it to roll on like this not really no i have to say i didn't really know i mean like for me i obviously i haven't like i said last week i can just to reiterate this I have no opinion on Joe Rogan. I still haven't listened to the episode that um, that's caused all the problems. I'm not going to. Don't care. Uh, I'm not interested in listening to that, to be perfectly honest. And that's not because I'm like, oh, I'm going to shut down. Like, you know... I'm I'm just I've got no interest in listening to mm-hmm. anybody talking about about COVID. I've got yeah, I yeah. literally have got no fucking interest in listening to anyone talk about COVID at all. It is so like depressing that you have to think about it at yeah, all, yeah. right? I'm not listening to that. I'm not. Um, so you know, I still have no opinion on what this person said. Mm. I but you know if if Dave Grohl heard it and he is absolutely apoplectically affronted by it to the point that he doesn't want to share a platform with it, then that's up to him. Yeah, yeah. That is completely up to him. I am not allowed to get... I have no right to get annoyed about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's a good thing that people can 
do stand up for this sort of thing and and for example i mean this is nowhere near this is arguably nowhere near as bad as um Danuek putting money into military technology like a month or so ago which also caused mm. a lot of people to leave on mass there's a few interesting things that have happened to spotify um in the interim uh their share price has fluctuated like absolute crazy over the last week or so um i believe it's up now but it was <laughs> was down quite exponentially um so that's obviously having a huge effect on their market value Didn't it go down like four billion or something ridiculous it went down four point. billion in one week um which is around oh now am i getting my numbers confused it was it, yeah it went down four billion dollars one week which you know seems like quite a lot uh, i think they are up at the moment and they're still the if biggest we, if we upped our um our classic album to five pound rather than five dollars that's roughly the amount that we would add <laughs> on to our monthly patreon <laughs> money around four bit so maybe we were <laughs> um yeah uh, 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 there have also been some accounts of uh no supposedly i've not been able to corroborate this but supposedly Spotify were having so many people cancel en masse due to this being in the news um, that they actually made the process of stopping your premium account more difficult. They added a few steps in order to make it harder. And um, yeah, I can believe they'd do that. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, like trying to get a refund on the train. Fucking yeah, cunts. Yeah, the train's yeah, yeah. always cancelled. And then you try and get a refund, then you got to fucking go, what was your mother's postcode in 1956? <laughs> fucking bastard. Get yeah. my 12 quid back, you pricks. You're yeah. late. They can't take away your right to do it, but they can make it more difficult for you if they so choose to. And I saw quite a few um, people claiming that that was happening over Twitter, like when i say quite a few i mean dozens and dozens and dozens um which was kind of enough for me to go this is probably a thing um yeah I, it's just inter i think the good side of this is it, it it has just it's thrown the music streaming issue into the um into the into the forefront of people's minds again and it's made people think and go you know there are other options out there like you don't have to go with spotify and with my uh the the small amount of research i've done into it i don't i'm not even sure if i think spotify i feel like it's one of the weaker ones in terms of like the way the app works and all that kind of thing i had a much better time with apple music not that we're sponsored by apple music or anything like that but no i i i, I, much better, I get apple music as for free as part of my um the my phone contract oh here he is uh it's something you can do it's ee if you're interested um we're not again, sponsored not, by them either by EE or, or apple music but i do get i did have that added on and um i like apple music i think sound quality is much better but it is um, much better yeah. much better but the actual software is crashes all the time and it's fucking rubbish so oh. i barely i rarely use it it annoys the shit out of me the itunes thing is fucking annoying because oh, it's really good stuff and i actually i do like apple music but mm. you know they've got all those you know lars ulrich's show and stuff we're getting off yeah. topic a little bit here yeah, but you know yeah, yeah. like it is good it is good i think apple music is good i mean you know they're both, i don't know uh, i mean if you turn around to me tomorrow i mean i did i said to somebody i was like oh if you could, if I could turn around tomorrow and just get rid of the streaming and you have to go and buy albums again, I'd do that. And I've seen people saying, "Oh, wouldn't that be good?" And they're like, "Well, the people who are saying that aren't thinking about what well, if you haven't got much money, you can only afford blah 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 blah. You know, you can only afford ten or nine ninety nine a month for your Spotify. And then what? Oh, you're just depriving people of music and stuff. And I'm a bit like, well, 
that's how it used to be mm. and nobody felt <laughs> deprived of music before you used to have to pay for the thing that you used to have to pay for mm. like do you know what I mean? it's like going into a i went in going to a, a really really expensive michelin star chinese restaurant and going well last week I went to an all-you-can-eat buffet and I had loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of port balls. And now you're telling me I've got to pay the same amount just for three and I won't get as many as I want. It's That's an interesting ridiculous. analogy. It is an interesting analogy. Um, it's like, yeah, you pay for... In, in, most of the time, you're meant to pay for the thing you get. And if you can't afford mm. records... Like, when I was a student, I didn't just go, oh, well, I'll just fucking I'll, I'll just take 10 extra cds and buy this one yeah, but i'll yeah. take these on because i want them well fucking tough shit you can't have it yeah i i mean look you're not wrong you're you're definitely not wrong um just to play devil's advocate uh, i think we are of a generation where we could still remember that you know we had to you had to save money to buy music otherwise you couldn't hear it unless you like borrowed it from your friends or whatever i think if you've grown up always having access to music essentially for free i do understand that the the idea of having to suddenly pay for all of it is not very realistic for those people but but broadly i agree with you yeah 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 i mean my fucking heart bleeds (laughs) for the idea that you might have to buy a record i'm being a little bit more sympathetic to that but but yeah i'm you're not getting any sympathy from me for that it would also mean that loads like you know there's too many like we said last year how difficult it was to get through everything you were never gonna listen to everything yeah if that happened lots of people would go like do we need like scottish black metal one man bedroom black metal project from some bloke in aberdeen no fuck off like yeah, we've done it like don't need get well yeah we don't need it do you do you know what i mean you don't need it like there's too many there are too many artists the there's moment. too much music if, there's too much music and i reckon if you went back to just buying it a load of them would fuck off <laughs> and all the, load of them would fuck off and then you'd just be like cool all right or they just put one album out as we we're about to discuss and that might be unfair and a disappointment but you know Everyone's just fucking hanging around. Fucking Aerosmith hanging around. Kiss hanging around like a bad smell. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. There we Burn go. it all down. Remember- oh, God, we've got way off topic here. <laughs> anyway, um, something went up on the BBC website earlier, seven hours ago as we record. Uh, Spotify bosses say it's too early to know how the controversy over Joe Rogan's podcast will hit the firm. And um, there was... Uh, Daniel Eck told chief exec... Sorry, Spotify's... Chief Executive Daniel Eck told investors, usually when we've had controversies in the past, those are measured in months, not days. We don't change our policies based on any one creator, nor do we change based on any media cycles or calls from anyone else. So, you know, they're obviously, they're not going to, I mean, they're not going to get rid of Joe Rogan, are they? They're not going oh, no, to, no, that's no. not going to happen. But so like you, you, but like you said, like, that was never the point. That was never the point of this no. at all. So, you know. No. So um, I guess we'll see. It's still, I bet we'll be talking about it next week. We may well be. Yeah, if it runs mm. on, then maybe we will maybe we'll be. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. I think I think Spotify are only going to panic if they get an artist, a, a Taylor Swift, saying it or something. Well, I was like looking that. at it because again, people were talking about who could it be who would take down Spotify. Mm. The weekend has got eighty-three million monthly listeners. Mm. 
And that appears to be the largest amount that I could find from anyone. Justin Bieber's got 80 million. Taylor Swift's only got, well, I say only, has got like 55 million monthly listeners. So that's a lot. Oh, I would okay. still suggest that Joe Rogan probably has more. The weekend's the only one that I looked at with 86 odd million. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was 86 million where I was like, hmm, that would be interesting. I yeah. mean, some people are going, oh, half oh, Metallica pulled out. It's like Metallica a small no. Friday. They got like 16 million monthly listeners. Uh, They're fuck all. Yeah, I think it's 17 million, but no, it'd have to be bigger than Metallica. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even Drake, people are going, oh, what about Drake? Drake's got 52 million. Right. Which is a lot, but. In terms of the high, high, high numbers, uh, yeah, the weekend is at the moment. I, I think is is the biggest artist that I could find. It depends. I mean, I don't. It, you know, we, it, we've already sort of seen it's not going to be a single-handed thing. It's not going to be one artist that pushes it over. Even if it was a weekend, I don't think. But more people might decide to do it. I heard. I don't even know if this is. Don't even know if these rumors are worth repeating, to be honest. But I heard people saying it that Pearl Jam were considering it, and I kind of feel that might just be the case because of their association with uh, Neil, Young. Neil Young. I think they might, have, you know, just made it up based on that. But you know, if you got a dozen Pearl Jams doing it, then something might happen as a result. Mm. Of that, I would say. I've just looked at a few big artists. So Beyonce's got thirty-two million um listeners monthly kanye's got 45 million mm -hmm. um taylor swift has 52 million monthly listeners mm -hmm. drake has 52 million monthly listeners and as i kind of already mentioned the weekend it's got 86 million yeah so he's the one probably is. gonna kick it off yeah. he's the one i reckon yeah it's a, he's the it's go to guy <laughs> yeah come on we were nice about that album <laughs> <laughs> i don't care i would have fucking I don't, if the weekend pulled his music off to spotify i'd be like oh that's annoying anyway one last little bit of news i thought was just um a little fun end to it. it's not fun at all my mighty boston split up say mm. after decades of brotherhood touring the world and making great records together we've decided not to continue as a band above all we want to exp express our sincere gratitude to every single one of you who have supported us we could have not we could not have done it without you they've been around a long time i mean 1989 devil's night out came out that's their debut record. 89? Been around, Shit. been around for a little while since uh, since before that. So you're looking at a close to 40-year career for the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Fuck, yeah. Uh, I knew it was amazing a long time, but I didn't realise it was that long. Yeah, it's amazing crazy. they only wrote one song in that entire time, <laughs> then, isn't it? But... <laughs> oh, very good, yeah. Oh, uh, no. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not a massive fan of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, but I do think... When I heard this, I was like, there goes another one of those childhood memories. Like, you know, they were a band who were just omnipresent when I was growing up and yeah. getting into music and stuff. And I did go, well, there goes another one. So yeah. I'm not exactly sad, but I am sad to know that I am another split up band closer to death. <laughs> I can pay them no higher tribute than that. Basically, it's all about you. Uh mm. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not. I wasn't a fan of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I didn't dislike them. Um, they or I, I, I didn't particularly bother with them. I, they're, they're a band that I've actually seen live like three times, whether it be at festivals or 
um you know supporting someone and, so on. and i i enjoyed seeing them live i thought they were cool but like you say they were omnipresent and like i never felt like i needed to pick up a record you know um but yeah it's it you know any band that's been around for a, a long long time and has um uh, got a uh, a decent fan base who you know have loved them for so long it's sad when they split up and um i don't have any skin in the race so to speak but uh yeah i thought oh that's a shame i'd, I'd not really thought about the mighty by Boston's for about 10 years if i'm totally no. honest but i mean i do have i do have devil's night out and i have uh let's face it obviously which is the, the big album as well so you know i got a little bit I, from that scene of bands that kind of um trumpet pop punk I think they are that one of the more um they're one of the more uh genuine ska bands I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think that's Cuz I look at I look at Real Big Fish and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you're a ska band actually. Just got trumpets. But I don't want to get into like slagging off Real Big Fish when I'm supposed to be bigging up Mighty Mighty Boston's, but I do feel like they felt like one of the better them and the Voodoo Glow Skulls. I was really like, yeah, you're you know, I, I've got. I, even if I don't listen to them, I respect them. Yeah, yeah. I would say that would be my feeling on my my boss tones as well. I don't really listen to them, but I do respect them. And uh, yeah, it's sad to see them go. But there we go. It's, they've had a good run, so fair play. They have. They've had a good run, and now they're getting put into the knacker's yard now. <laughs> but fine. Anyway, look, we should get on with what we're going to be talking about, which is. One Album Wonders, we asked you on Twitter for your favourite bands and artists who had just done one record. Before we get into it, feels to me, no one said the Sex Pistols. Feels to me like, if you think about bands with one album, Sex Pistols feel like the obvious ones to me. I always think, they're the first band who always popped my head when I think bands who only did one album. Because they were so massive and it was so massive and it was such a kind of big explosion and then they were just gone. Sex Pistols kind of in a lot of ways feel like the definitive one album band, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think, though, maybe people didn't suggest it because they thought, well, surely that's going to be a classic album one day. Um, there yeah. were a few suggestions which I was like, hold off, that that will be classic album territory, my friend. Um, I know that we did a massive long special on Jeff Buckley very very mm-hmm. early on in the podcast but I, there's no way I'm not making Grace a classic album one day yeah do you know what I mean um mm-hmm. but yeah uh I, I thought of it more as kind of as I often do I thought of it more as a sort of a band who showed so much promise with that debut album and then they just went for whatever reason they just disappeared uh, and I think both of our choices reflect that in this particular mm. case. Just to go through a few people, a lot of people said Jeff Buckley, which is correct. Yes, correct. I was like, <laughs> it is correct. But with the amount of material that has been released, it does feel weird to consider him someone who's only got one album, but he has only yeah. got one album. Yeah. yeah. Ditto Lauren Hill, who was another yeah. person that was said a few times. I mean, again, both are factually correct and yeah. both of them are incredible. And the albums they put out, I mean, we've already done Lauren Hill's yeah. Education of Lauren Hill exactly. as a classic album. Uh, the MTV2 Unplugged 2 thing, I mean, people did try and go, well, that's her second album. It's like, no, that's uh, that's almost live demos of a second album yeah, rather than an actual second album, isn't it? Um, a lot of people also said Temple of the Dog, Mother Love Bone, Mad Season, or a combination of the three, that kind of Seattle trilogy of, I mean, two 
supergroups and one band who were you know split up due to yeah uh, tragic circumstances um well I, I don't mind revealing that i have been planning to do a classic album classic album double on temple of the dog and mad season one day um probably won't be for a while because we did pearl jam not too long Just ago and there's, there's quite yeah. a lot of overlap with that but that is in my head as something that i would absolutely like to do at some point on this podcast so, yeah. yeah i mean of the three of those for me temple of the dogs the one i would say if i was going to put nail my colors to the mast of like which one of those is the definitive one absolutely temple of the dog for me the album is spectacular if i could only have one then mm -hmm. yes um i think mad season is not far behind personally um i'll be honest i i find mother love bone a cool curio but i don't love the mother love bone album i have to be honest i think it's cool obviously crown of thorns is fucking amazing and there's a couple of other songs on it which are quite good but it's a little too glam for me for my tastes yeah i i broadly agree yeah um look at the editors from the two biggest rock magazines in britain sucking up to us trying to get on side <laughs> with us luke morton from kerrang said black hole the black hole album i never listened to black hole i have to say i don't no, I think i've not actually heard it, it once no no but i will check that out so good good suggestion luke good suggestion we haven't heard it don't but it feels like a good i'm not it's not it's like, i'm sure that is a good suggestion i'm sure <laughs> luke true. luke has got a good taste in he does like underground uk hardcore bands yeah uh, hold on steady i'm not there was no full stop at the end of luke has good taste there there was there was more to come don't agree with <laughs> don't agree with all of it and then merlin from metal hammer no wonder metal hammer's in the mud <laughs> <laughs> said milo Destroy Rock and Roll by Milo. Now, I actually do own that record. I think I feel like everybody owned that album in the mid-noughties. And I felt like he was going to be a big player on the EDM scene. Mm. I guess, that you know, shit like the Claxons going around at that point as well, wasn't there? And I guess Enter Shikari. I mean, not that he was anything to do with Enter Shikari. But I felt like there was a kind of crossover between people like Milo and some of that new rave stuff. Uh, and I quite like that record. It's good. I've never you heard, heard the, I've never heard the record, but I'm familiar with Milo because a lot of people. I was in drama school at the time, and a lot of people in my class were really into it. So I've heard a lot of the songs on it multiple times, um, mm. but I've not actually heard the record. But um, oh, yeah, I should go back to it. Yeah, it's good. Mm. A lot of shouts for Zokes. Mm -hmm. Great band. That album is fucking wicked. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. I could have um, quite easily picked that. I didn't, but I could have. Mm -hmm few people said nail bomb mm -hmm. yes i Great mean show. again kind of going into the mad season temple of the dog thing where you're like what well, do you class these one-off supergroup things as one album wonders in the same way i guess we're looking at i mean you, you have to really because i've only got one album, i think but it counts i think yeah like them crooked vultures would be another one where you go i don't know lots of shout for heck patreon.com forward slash right act podcast coming this weekend as renfrey said at the start a lot a lot of shouts for heck loads absolutely yeah. loads. yeah which was good to see Deserved hey look our bloody listeners have good taste good for you lots of shouts for handsome yeah yeah i could have picked which handsome i nearly well. Mm. well i would mm. i would have said i'm, I'm picking that <laughs> so uh yeah fucking amazing i mean i've talked about that band a whole bunch of times yeah fucking great 
absolutely brilliant band. Uh, Donald Kennedy said, my vitriol, again, Yeah, that's on our Patreon page if you want to hear what that. we think about my vitriol, you should go and listen to that. But it Someone is a Kurt... great record. I love Fine Line. Although, much... actually, they technically followed it up now. That's just occurred to me. They did, te- they sort of released a second album, so I don't know if it really counts anymore. Oh, yeah, we did talk about Sorry. that, didn't we? But it is wicked. Someone on Twitter called Curly Dumbass said, well, he said quite a few, but one that jumped out to me was Blackstar, the Moss Deb uh, Talibquelli, uh I can never always wonder if I'm saying that name right, um, project, which is essential. Blackstar are brilliant. Um, and um, obviously both of those men have gone on to do plenty of other things, but that that album is, is really good. So again, that kind of feels like it almost dips into super groupy kind of thing i don't know anyway uh, a lot I did, I did not know those two had worked together that sounds very interesting yeah it's really good you, oh, you i i think you'd really like that okay cool yeah i think you should listen to that it's really good uh the postal service who are a band that i am aware of but i never listened to now Same. i assumed i assumed they must have had maybe that's why i've never listened to them because they've only got one album i didn't even know they only had one album no neither did i if i'm totally honest but yeah that sort of encourages me to check them out because in my head they're a band who had like five or six records but i'm like oh if they only have one that'll only take me an hour <laughs> so yeah. you know so it kind of does make me go oh maybe i should check that out yeah we had a little corner of the internet just mentioning people from blink 182 so i had quite a few people saying mark hoppers's plus 44 uh band who i've never heard no, wonder what they I. sound like <laughs> um so I, I can't say but also a couple of people mentioning boxcar racer now that i can get on board with yeah, yeah i fucking love i fucking love that boxcar racer album it's really good yeah the idea of tom delonghi doing like fugazi which is how it was kind of painted in the press mm. made me feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. when i heard <laughs> when it was coming out and i was like i'm this is something which i know I'm going to hate. And then I didn't. I really, yeah. really liked it. No, it's, it's a very good album. It's pretty good. I've not heard it for a long time, but it is a, de- it's a decent that. I think some, somebody's somebody's put that as, as a writer's review, and I'd like yeah. to do that as a writer's it's review. In, it's in our short list, so we might come to it quite soon. So Yeah, yeah we should probably do that quite soon, because it is really good. Tim Armstrong's brilliant on uh, Cat Like Thief. Mm. Cat like thieves, you don't have all my fun. <laughs> um, don't leave it, don't leave it, don't leave it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tom DeLonge comes in and ruins it how can you ruin it you, that sounds like a worse singer than Tim Armstrong I fought it for more than months ago <laughs> don't leave me don't leave me weird what, like, who needs that um, me apparently uh, Chris Daly on Twitter says don't laugh at the Stone Gods album I'm not laughing Chris I quite like that album did you ever listen to that oh, I that never was, uh, heard it it was the, the the darkness but with justin hawkins gone yeah yeah, yeah. um i i was aware of it but uh no i never never listened to it it's good it's kind of a laugh yeah it's just like kind of brit rocky i mean it's you know it's 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 what the darkness do but mm. with a, a sort of much more uh, i guess functional singer okay yeah, yeah yeah all right but it's still got that kind of fun thing to it like, i actually think it's quite good okay yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I think it's weird. Uh, Sean Conway mentioned Murdoch from Ireland. Mm. They were fucking awesome. That is a great record, and I like. I don't know why it never got followed up. It is a great record. Um, funnily enough, I was going through some old metal hammers the other day because I'm trying to organise my life, and I found your, I believe, eight out of ten review for it in Metal Hammer. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was good. I'll stick by that at least. 
yeah. least nine out of ten. Yeah, it's a good record. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, Samuel J has mentioned Gulch, who are quite a new one. Obviously, Gulch were mm-hmm. a band who had a fucking hell of a lot of hype surrounding them, and everyone seemed to be obsessing over them. And then one day they just went, we're not doing anything anymore. Mm. And I never quite got on the Gulch train in the same way as uh, a lot of other people. But I thought that record was a little overhyped, if I'm totally honest. But I do think it's yeah. a good record. I think it's a strong hardcore record, definitely. Um, mm. But people were people did go a little bit OTT on it. I thought they they did go a little bit overboard with it. Uh, it's nice and short that record though. So that's good. It is nice and short. Jeremy Graves, he said Newstead, mm. the self-titled Newstead album. Guy, he never got to see him in London. I saw him twice. I saw him at Download, and I saw him at the Hundred Club in London. It was fucking brilliant at the Hundred Club in London. Yeah, London. It was really really good. And I think that that is a good heavy, a very good heavy metal album, hmm. Newstead. Even though the guitarist from Stained was in the band. Oh right, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I do remember enjoying it at the time. I have to confess, I haven't really gone back to it. Um, but I, but you know, I remember listening to it and being like, "Yes, yeah, it's really cool." Uh, but it really didn't stick with me. But I'm, you know, I should go back to it. Uh, we also had only one person other than me quote tweeted the tweet. And um, it was Milky Way from Wargasm. I'm going to assume that that is not any kind of uh, <laughs> anything to do with us as a podcast, I would imagine. I no but Wounds, Wounds, Japanese Voyeurs, and obviously Sophie R.O.P. That's a year um, ago this week that Sophie passed away. I think we briefly mentioned it at the time. Um, I remember Wounds. I didn't know they only had one album Hmm. out yeah I've in fact it. i actually i actually thought it was in my head this is like my my memory is blurred but i remember thinking they were quite i remember seeing them and then getting whatever it was they released but in my in my head it was an ep uh it is an album it's called old wounds right, okay. i believe old wounds yeah okay. uh and um yeah i i actually they were um playing a show with uh baby godzilla aka heck a long, long time ago up in Manchester and ended up getting smashed with both bands afterwards. Lovely chaps. I thought the album was quite good, but um, not like amazing, if I'm totally honest. But I, I thought, it, yeah, it's quite, it's decent. Um, I you, don't know the other a, two. We had a few people talking about Japanese voyeurs. Mm. I don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm not aware of their music. They're a band who I should have listened to and haven't. It's that mm-hmm. simple, basically. But yes. Okay. But like a lot of good shouts yep. from people. Yep. A lot of good shouts thanks very much for your shouts we'll probably do this more often but we've picked an album each that we're going to chat about Remfrey you picked Sonafreak by Sonafreak the sole album from the London based funk rock crew released in the year 2000 it's funny to actually get to talk about Sonafreak I'm going to say because it feels like when we mention them like they're kind of a joke because the album came and then they went away and everyone's sort of forgotten about them but they were relatively hyped at some point mm. and they're in a band that we've both sort of spoken positively about but in a kind of almost a sort of jokey way but they were fucking great we do bring them up relatively often and it's not meant in a jokey way <laughs> i genuinely think sona freak are brilliant were brilliant they were an absolutely amazing band i think the <laughs> thing that comes up a lot for us was probably seeing them support pitch shifter um which you know i saw the the anson rooms in bristol and it was fucking amazing i think i think it becomes jokey because then we inevitably bring up the workhorse movement as well which is 
we definitely are joking more, more around with that band, I think. But Sona Freak were absolutely brilliant. They were kind of, they had a lot of rage against the machines comparisons, which isn't totally off. I think there is a lot of that funk metal thing in there. There's a part of me which thought it might be slightly down to, oh, they're a band of with some people who aren't white in them um but you know there is some raging a lot of asian dub foundation yeah, yeah comparisons yeah, 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 back yeah, in yeah. the day a lot of asian dub foundation comparisons i think is really a... yes no I, I i think there is elements to what is great about asian dub foundation which is okay. also what is great about sona farik and i think there are i mean again you know like i don't want to go oh no no they're, they're nothing like them just because sure they're not they're not exactly the same as them and i know people like to go oh they, 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 you're just comparing two bands with with girls in and it's like yeah but if they actually do kind of sound the same then they do kind of sound the same and i think the dual vocalist thing yeah with one the one one quite kind of yelpy rapper and one doing actual kind of melodic vocal parts yeah yeah that's something that asian dub foundation do there's definitely a lot of sort of funk elements that Asian Dub Foundation um, certainly early on in their career had a fair bit of as well. Oh, you're really te it's... tearing down my argument quite badly here. But yes, uh, no, I, mean, uh, I see all of those points. I see what I, everything you're saying there, yeah. I think the, 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 there's similar, very, very similar guitar lines in both bands as well. I think the guitarists... <laughs> are quite similar have you got any more <laughs> that that would be it so all i'm saying is i can see the comparisons and they're not just like oh look they're both they've got brown skin yes uh, okay okay my point being is i do think they have um more than enough of their own kind of sound as well like definitely definitely yeah yeah, yeah. um i'm going to read you the kerrang uh the review of the album which gave it 5k nice. from yeah, yeah. morat uh, this is the cover. We've got Ozzy Osbourne on the cover with a straight jacket and an advert for Enema of the State by Blink-182, Steve's favourite band uh, on the back. Mm. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> uh, so this is the review that made me run out and purchase the album pretty much the next weekend. Explosive debut from one of the UK's best new bands. Here's a piece of friendly advice, okay? Before you play this record, it would be wise to clear away anything fragile that you might be emotionally attached to. Lock the cat in another room and perhaps do some preliminary testing on your bed to make sure it can handle you jumping up and down on it like a hyperactive toddler. Because rest assured, from the moment you press the button that releases opening track Drop the Bomb, you will be compelled to launch yourself around the room, breaking anything that might get in your way and wishing to God that you are in a band even half this good classic mo rat style straight away but then good is not even close to describing this it's like some deranged professor has discovered the base elements of exhilaration and written a soundtrack for it it's like well imagine if blur okay we all come on we all secretly like song two or whatever it was called were a bona fide rock band with the swagger of the sex pistols and the rhythm of rage against the machine and the unchecked energy of the prodigy and this is still the first track we're talking about but while it's all too easy to be swept along by one brilliant track and not notice under halfway through that the remainder aren't really up to par, here we find Drop the Bomb detonating the scorching manic bluster of We Be On Fire before bouncing into the gloriously danceable anti-love groove of Do Not Return and Beyond with not a solitary filler in sight. 
12 tracks, 12 great songs. It's as simple as that. Or rather, it isn't, because there's a world eclecticism here that incorporates knowingly or not such diverse influences as Dub War, Skunkadancy, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Bad Brains, along with the aforementioned Pistols, Rage, and uh, Blur. There are even dashes of Punk Pioneer's Wire, the ones doomed popsters Elastica ripped off, and Early Faith No More, all lashed together with grooves, power, and passion to spare, and yet never once sounding like an act of plagiarism. And if Sona Freak have captured everything from sheer unbridled excitement in We Be On Fire to oppressive paranoid sticky city heat in Zoo, then producer Chris Sheldon has expertly contained a sound that could easily have fallen flat on its ass outside the confines of a sweaty dive where the PA is cranked up as far as it will go. Each track is crisp and precise and yet still vibrant and alive, forcing you to turn that sucker up just another notch until either your ears or the neighbours protest. It's not a question of if, but when Sonar Freak will be huge, and surely only a matter of time before their name is etched on a Kerrang Award for Best British Band. Simply magnificent. Now, a lot of that review didn't come to pass, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but personally, I do understand why Morat was as excited as he came across in that review, because... The debut self-titled album by Sona Freak is fucking amazing, right? Yeah. It's so fucking good. Drop the Bomb is an amazing song to start with. It's one of those albums where it starts with an absolute riotous song and then follows First six just go... Like, I think the first six are just unfucking stoppable well i was about to say back I, to back i think we be on fire then notches it up another level like the percussion on we be on fire and the shit that's going on in that song is so cool i i love love you crazy it's such an amazing song like i love how it is just a love song it is just i really love you but i bought that on single before the album came out because cool. i'd seen them supporting sick of it all and then I think they played the Lost Weekend. I don't know if it was they just did. before this album it's actu- came out. It's actually uh, in the same issue as uh, uh, their performance. Yeah, yeah. It's very so short they played. Review, but... It was in 1999. They supported Sick of It All, and I saw them. Hmm. And then they toured, but and I was like, "Wow, they're good." Because I opened for Sick of It All before their album. I was like, "They're really good." And I remember getting "Drop the Bomb" and "Love You Crazy" were singles before the album came out, and I was like. I'm fucking ready to go. This band are fucking great. Yeah. They are fucking great. And I did. I was like, they're, they're surely they're going to be massive. Yeah, uh, they're. Uh, I, I don't really know what happened. I just know that they broke up about a year later, maybe a year after the album came out, maybe two. Well, I've been doing my research room. Have you? Okay. And so I know exactly what happened. So they signed to Warner. Yes. Hence why they supported so many people. Yeah. It's like a debut album for a British rock band. This is this is pre-Lost Profits, we should say. Yes. I think that probably plays a part in it, right? So this is pre-Lost Profits, and I guess, you know, the the, the death knell of, of indie, and certainly Brit rock is, you know, like, uh, even at this point, like, had Feeder really even broken through with, like, Buck Rogers and stuff at this point? I, mean, I don't even think no. that had happened. Buck Rogers right? happened 2001. Yeah, so even the bands who were like Three Colours Red is split up, even the bands who, you know, Terrorvision were basically done, weren't they? Yeah. You know, they they were sort of finished after Shaving Peaches. Uh, the Wild Arts are split up. Like all of the kind of British rock music that started to peter away in the late 90s by 2000, pre-Lost Profits, 
fucking dead. It, it was dead. Like there was a yeah. really cool, under, healthy underground scene, but for a band to get picked up onto a major label, like Sona Farik did, mm. I think they were kind of on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Because ultimately, I mean, I remember thinking at that point, probably like Pitch Shifter were the were the biggest band in sort of hard rock music. In, in you know, they were on a major label and they were doing all right. Yes. But they hadn't really broken through in the same way. Whereas Sona Farik, it just felt like they kind of appeared from nowhere. Debut album, like they, oh my god, they're great. Mm. Get on a major album comes out, never seen again. Weird, because mm. the album was really good. Was Obviously, didn't sell, brilliant. just didn't sell anything. Um, yeah. They were dropped, and they split in two thousand and four, having. Oh been searching for that entire time to put out for another label to put out the album that they had written and recorded and never released so there is a sona Farik second album that is out there and i know this for a fact because on the 21st of january 2001 they posted on their facebook page call out to any sona Farik fans does anyone have the facilities to convert the reel-to-reel tapes from our second unreleased album to digital so we can finally mix and release it we have no budget it would just be for the love of the music so people can finally hear the amazing follow-up record we made 18 years ago oh man i really that did that happen well, look, there are a few positive responses, but no one seems to have managed to help them out because that is the last thing that was posted on their Facebook page. Oh, damn. Man, I really <laughs> would love to hear that. <laughs> like, yeah. really would love to hear that. Seriously. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's I cool. would as well. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, like you're saying, I can't believe how well this album has aged. It really has, this, yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's only Freak of Wicked, but then I'm also like... I haven't listened to it for a long time. And I was like, oh, it, it, I wonder if it still sounds good. And then I put it on and I was like, fuck me. It really does. This still sound sounds good. fucking yeah. great. I mean, like you mentioned We Be On Fire, which is massive. I mean, love. Again, the weird thing about Sona Farik is, is uh, again, a bit like to compare. I think whether the Asian Dub Foundation comparisons do ring true a bit is that they didn't always have choruses. Like they didn't actually have their song structures they don't really structure them around an actual chorus it's almost a lot of the time like the hooks but there's so many hooks like weird like so and like he's just like literally yelping sometimes yeah and you're like oh that that's the fucking hook and like i say the first six songs i was like because drop the bomb comes in i was like oh yeah this is a fucking and like the, the hook on drop the bomb is we dropped the bomb oh like it's just like making noises and we be on fire yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like oh, so brilliant. good yeah and like you say those first drop the bomb we've been fired do not return killer b move on love you crazy they're all fucking unbelievable and i think it's still good after that i mean i would say that dr john's the best song on the album i agree i agree fucking brilliant i love dr john um the the second half of the album takes this weird sort of psychedelic turn uh which Mm. i actually really love it's the less immediate side of the album and certainly probably when i first bought this album i almost certainly would have been like oh yeah the second half's not quite as good i think that's utter rubbish now it's just a lot less like the first half is like adrenaline like 
being chucked at you for the majority of the first six tracks i would say and it chills out a little bit on the second half but does this really awesome yeah imagine rage against the machine but with like shit loads of psychedelic like rage meets mammoth weed wizard bastard it's like it's fucking yeah. great it's really mm. good that second half dr it, john is definitely the best song on the record I dr think. john is 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 fucking brilliant so yeah they split up in 2004 they currently have 124 monthly listeners on spotify surely if they pull out joe rogan's toast that's the guy <laughs> isn't it surely it'll be sona Farik, the straw that broke the camel's back for spotify um uh, but we so you know they don't they're not they are definitely a long forgotten band yeah. but we are not the only ones that remember them because again i went on amazon and on the 17th of april 2017 someone called ed bought the album cd and reviewed it by saying incredible album why isn't this band bigger i guess we'll never know ed yeah. i don't know i don't know why they weren't bigger like they were fucking great support and sick of it all even though a lot of people looked at them like what the fuck are this band doing playing with a hardcore band when they supported pitch shifter that felt like a much better fit and they were oh. fucking great they played the lost weekend they played the main stage of the lost weekend which was in a you know it was a festival but it was an indoor festival i believe they were and the they first were on, band on weren't they i thought it was second it was code uk sona Farik, um that bloody uh katie jane garside um queen adrena mm. and then it was perfect circle mm. yeah and then Ash headlined. Uh, it's not the strongest festival lineup, but you know, the first two bands on the main stage didn't actually have an album out <laughs> at that point. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a shit show, that festival, to be perfectly yeah, honest. But Sona Farik were fucking awesome that day. Again, you know, like the album hadn't even come out yet and they were playing the, mm. you know, an, an arena and they were brilliant. An arena of Nine Inch Nails fans. Mm. An arena of disgruntled, angry, pissed off Nine Inch Nails fans. Yeah, because, because Nine, Nine Inch Nails, Nails weren't, weren't playing there. that day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they were gone. Yeah. The album came out and they were literally gone. It was weird. I was lucky enough to see them twice. This review came out just prior to the Pitch Shifter tour, like maybe a month or two prior to the Pitch Shifter tour. And uh, I picked up the album and was like, yep, going to make sure I'm there for Sona Freak. And they were absolutely amazing at the Anson Rooms in Bristol. And then they did a, a fairly long headline tour as well where i saw them at the fleece and firkin in bristol as well and that just absolutely blew up basically played every song from the record um they were so i mean they were amazing live they were amazing live but i'm so glad that you yeah. agree how well this album has aged it doesn't sound a day old like it still sounds fucking amazing and yeah let's try and get their spotify listens up if we can if we can single-handedly get sona Farik's monthly listens up to a thousand by next month i would be fucking delighted so do your bit and mm. listen to this brilliant I, record i really Quick. think you should listen to this record it yeah. is fucking great and i tell you what it is like i my thing with the record used to be i used to think oh they are better live than they are on record i really like the songs and songs are weird and it is great but that just makes me go now i'm like god they must have been really good live then and they were like they were really good because in my head i'm like oh they were so much better live than they were on record i think this album is a pretty good document of them live i think it is yeah. it's i think it's close i mean were they better live yes <laughs> but you know yeah. I, I for a debut as well to get this close your first go around 
is there's some sort of magic going on there some sort of voodoo because you mm. know like, i don't know how you do that but yeah it, it is brilliantly produced this record none of the mm. none of the zeitgeisty things that were happening at the time affects this record at all and that's no. why it hasn't aged yeah. at all it's brilliant absolutely absolutely that that's a very good point fucking warner you morons why didn't you put it out <laughs> fucking morons just dropped them after one album piece of shit yeah. um anyway there you go go and listen to sony freak very 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 good band they were uh i picked another self-titled album man will surrender by man will surrender the 1997 debut album from the californian post-hardcore band featuring a drummer scott ellis who went on to form another one album wonder band who got mentioned a fair bit in our twitter thing human waste project mm. and that's what he did after this and somebody um who did something before this frosty crunch of californian 80s straight edge hardcore legends chain of strength plays guitar on this record his real name's paul he's not really called frosty um but yeah so um if you think there's not much information about sona Farik online mm. fucking hell finding anything to what happened to man will surrender yeah it's not gonna happen i mean this record came out after three eps that were all released on equal vision so one in 94, one in 95, and one in 1996. And then this came out in 1997. Um, this album actually came out on Revolution, which is a subsidiary of Warner. So two albums Hello. on Warner with no follow-up. So I reiterate yeah. Warner. Warner, you fucking idiots. You made seven Police Academy movies <laughs> and you couldn't manage to fund a fucking follow-up to either of these brilliant <laughs> bands. You idiots we got fucking mission to moscow but we didn't get the fucking second man will surrender or sona farik album well mission to moscow came out in 94 so maybe the um maybe, maybe they pissed their money away that we can't afford it we can't afford to we, it, we, it all went to ron perlman doing a bad <laughs> russian accent i forgot ron perlman's in that film that's pathetic amazing film. pathetic anyway um so this album was produced by Guga Garth, who did the first yeah. Project's Machine album, amongst I, other things. I forgot that until I picked up my CD copy and said, produced by Guga Garth on the back, but yes. Mm. And um, I actually found, a, the one thing I did find, I found a kind of, just after the album came out, I found an interview with the band online, and it is one of those really, really old forumy things where like it's <laughs> looks so fucking antiquated but um their singer lance weber said this and it made me go oh no the best part of putting out a record on revolution is the opportunity that we'll have to tour again oh we just want to play shows every night because playing live is it real as it gets and real is what we want to be um which is cool but when it was like oh great we've signed to a major label now we're sorted yeah. it's like oh mate fucking hell mate Oh. oh god if only you knew so they did actually tour with deftones and oh. texas the reason oh. and that's Hello. basically a sort of venn diagram of what they sound that's, like yeah yeah that's very good wow yeah yeah it is isn't it because mm. this is post hardcore in in as much as that you know it's obviously people from the hardcore scene it's from a time where we didn't really know what emo was. No, it still hasn't quite been established. 
yeah we hadn't we didn't really properly exactly know what post-hardcore emo whatever kind of was yeah and um along come this band with this this debut album and it's got lots of really chunky riffs on it it's got lots of really catchy quite poppy melodies on it it's got a kind of punk rock energy but a much more crunchy metallic um sort of production on it Mm. it's quite an odd mix of stuff i think it's really good and i would say much like we spoke about on the sona freak album is in an an amazing opening run of songs Mm. oh fuck the first the first five songs on this record are fucking amazing just massive riffs uh just really really catchy vocal lines tim climbing out repressed dark room and lullaby like mate they are so good so fucking good i'd I'd forgotten how strong the vocal hooks were on this record i hadn't listened to it for a couple of years but they are they're really really strong and i found myself you know those times where you return to a record after a very long time (laughs) and just find yourself automatically singing along without Mm. even even realizing yeah. it to fall out but be delivered <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten how catchy it is it really is very very catchy really catchy record it's great yeah it's super catchy and like i say if if deftones meets texas a reason sounds like something you would like yeah i i i think you'll really like this record and again man was trying to currently have 61 monthly listeners on spotify crikey so you're even you're more underground Freak. than me <laughs> yeah <laughs> even less than sona Freak. so again i would say we can at least get up to the same level as yeah. sona Freak, right come on guys let's try and get both of those artists up to a thousand listens it won't actually take all that much because each of these well mouse runs is 11 tracks and sona Freak's 12 so it only requires like 10 of you to listen to the album once uh and that should happen next month but yeah i mean fucking brilliant bands both of these the one thing i'll say about man will surrender going back to it i don't like i do think it sounds like a 90s record definitely uh, i, th- I think yeah. that's worth pointing out um you know whereas the sona freak one feels like could have been recorded yesterday there is a big 90s flavor to man will mm. surrender and if you really can't but, get uh, on board with that you're probably listening to the wrong podcast but yeah. you know um but it's i mean it's 90s in a like helmet sort of way you know it's... yeah i mean the thing is is that the 90s is very much back in vogue yeah. musically at the moment yeah. particularly this sort of thing so it's absolutely the, the perfect time to revisit this but yes you're right it sounds well 90s this it, it does sound well 90s it's a in, really in a way that sona Freak kind of didn't i think yeah it's a really it's a really good production it's just a very nineties mm. production. I, I'm not. I'm not dissing the producing at all on this risk. For fuck's sake, you know it's very good. It's just very nineties. And there's a few bits, you know, that are on it lyrically that seem to be a little bit darker than some of the. Well, there's a, the song "Dark Room" is pretty depressing, but talking about like childhood trauma and stuff, Lance mm. Weber and certain songs and. You know, it's actually, um, that feels like quite a unique thing to have been talking about back in 1997. I mean, I know Corn were getting big at that point, but this is not like Corn. Outside of new metal, it, it felt like that was very much an, a new metal thing. Um, and mm. and it's, I mean, 
not quite in the same way. I was just thinking like maybe Nirvana, but that's not quite the same thing, is it? No. Um, but yeah, this is really like you know taking his childhood away, and this mm. sort of like it's quite bleak shit. It's quite bleak, yeah. some of it, but it is really, really fucking musically like super fucking catchy. Yeah, super catchy. it's not a bleak album. Like some of no. the lyrical themes are bleak, but it's not gonna depress you putting this record on unless you don't like mm. big meaty riffs because this is full exactly. of them. Loads of them. Again, uh, I went on to Amazon. Timothy J. Rizza is one of two people that gave it a five-star review on Amazon. He did that on the 18th of December, 2013. Okay. So it's a little bit longer ago than 2018, but still, it's not the ridiculous past. Mm-hmm. So not everybody's forgotten this band. Uh, he said, underrated hardcore. If you like your NYC hardcore, a little more highbrow and technical like Quicksand, then you're completely dig man will surrender. Was way worth it for a buck. He obviously paid a dollar for it. <laughs> Quicksand. Well, I'd, I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Good uh, shout, Quicksand, right? Quicksand is a very good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very good shout. Helmet, uh, Quicksand, that kind of thing. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I cannot find any reason why they split up, but they did. Mm. Um, yeah, in true. fact, they, unlike Sona Farik, they had already split up by the time I found out about them in sort of 1999, 2000. Right. Uh, my mate, who actually was a drummer in Stegall, just had, just had, this cd and he was like oh this is really good and he did me a tape of it i thought this is fucking brilliant sweet and i managed to find it on some distro somewhere and i bought my own copy of it and i was very happy that i owned a copy of it because i think this album is fucking great yeah it's really 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 fucking great yeah really 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 good let it slide the last song just to say let it slide let it slide (laughs) (laughs) is that a good way to end the show I, I yeah okay i mean i just will say by the way if you do want to buy um if you do want to buy it uh on on uh on cd you can get it on audio cd on amazon for two dollars and 99 audio cd like there's any kind of like on the on <laughs> smell cd uh nasal cd uh you can get it for two dollars and 95 why are you on the American Amazon? It's the first one that came up. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Why would you like me to check? I can check. I can check on the British one if you'd like. Go on. <laughs> I might cut this, but we can. <laughs> no, fuck it. Don't worry about it. It's on. Uh, it's on eBay as well. It's on fucking dollars again. I don't think there's. I don't think there are any British people selling it. Well, I'm not selling my copy, so tough shit yeah i'm not I is it on spotify is it on spotify it's on spotify oh well it's on yeah. spotify yeah. It's fine. yeah when when man will surrender and sona freak get together and pull spotify <laughs> that will be the end of you daniel eck yeah, it'll go bloody eck i didn't expect that to happen oh anyway <sighs> we've run out of juice hey. haven't we <laughs> yeah we have a little bit look thanks very much for listening and uh we'll be back next week Go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and you can listen to our specials on the likes of Heck and Every Time I Die coming your way very, very soon. We appreciate your time as ever. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you very soon. Probably with a massive album review. I reckon that's what's going to happen next because there's a fuckload of records coming out, boy. Yeah, most likely it'll be uh, Cult of Luna or Zealanada, or you might be listening to us on Broken Records as well. That's true. That is true. See you later.